Have a dope day. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Welcome to What Would Kay Say? I am your host, Kay Edwards. How are all of God's blessed and highly favored people doing today? Blessed in Jesus' name, of course, and happy Mother's Day to all of God's blessed and highly favored, right? It was Mary who was first called blessed and highly favored, Mother of Jesus, so happy Mother's Day to all you blessed and highly favored. But I want to make a quick um, announcement in housekeeping. I was on my way here today, and the driver had on a station, and it was a talk radio station. But I don't know what they were talking about, but as I was sitting there, 
he was talking, the part of the story that I heard is he was talking about the National Association of Broadcasters. They're seeking our help, and they would like us to text 52886. That's 52886. I know because some people say I talk really fast. Text 52886 with the message AM radio, and then they'll send you a link which will allow you to fill out a, a form right there on your phone telling your, legislate, your legislators why it's important to keep AM radio in new cars and trucks. So from what I'm understanding of what he was saying, because I missed the first part because I was, it wasn't time for me to get into the car, they're trying to, when they're making new cars and trucks, they're not putting AM on the, the stations for radio. It's just FM, I guess, and I guess Sirius or XM or whatever they do. But for the free radio, it's only FM that they're putting in the cars. And they want you to text and tell how you depend on AM radio and it should still be, it should still be a standard in new cars and trucks. And what caught my eye with that, what caught my ear with that is that, yes, anytime there's a push to silence voices, because, you know, AM radio is mostly talk shows. So anytime there's a voice to silence, anytime there's a push to silence voices, we need to speak up. Now, AM radio, they also have a lot of Christian broadcasting. And it's a lot of Christian talk shows, a lot of um, pastors and churches. They use that platform to get the message out, the word of God. So if they take that out of radio, and if that's the only means of getting to people to hear the word, then that's not going to be good. So if you have an opportunity, text 52886, put the words AM radio. They will then send you a link. And when you click the link, it gives you a form to fill out to say why it's important to keep AM radio in new cars and trucks. And speaking of keeping and bringing the word to people. If you've missed any of my shows, you can find them on RadioFreeBrooklyn.org, on my show page, What Would Kay Say? You can find it on Spotify, on Apple, and all of the podcast platforms. So now, moving right along to our topic of today. Since today is Mother's Day, I figured we would discuss mothers. And I'm going to give you the definition of what a mother is. A mother is a woman in relation to her child or children, bringing up a child with care and affection, give birth to. But a deeper meaning of mother is, a mother is a selfless, loving human who must sacrifice many of their wants and needs for the wants and needs of their children. A mother works hard to make sure that her child is equipped with knowledge, skills, and the abilities to make it as a competent human being. Now that's Webster's deepest 
definition of a mother. Now, Wikipedia has a different definition of a mother. Wikipedia states that a mother is a female parent of a child. A woman may be considered a mother by virtue of having given birth, by raising a child who may or may not be her biological offspring, or by supplying her ovum for fertilization in the case of gestational surrogacy. So in other words, Wikipedia broadens the meaning of being a mother, which I will say, it, I say you incorporate the both, Wikipedia's and Webster's. Because I have a biological son, but I also raised two sons through marriage. And then I have godsons. And let me say to you, you don't have to be in this child's life every day. For those of you who don't have any children in your life, you don't have to be in that child's life or in their face every day to make an impact on their life. Because sometimes one conversation can change a child's life. So if you've ever mentored, if you've ever had a conversation with any young adult, you can you can be considered a mother, right? According to Wikipedia. But it's all about the influence that you you place on that individual and how you have impacted them. And the child will let you know. When they grow up, they'll let you know the part that you played in their life. Even if you think it's so insignificant, you'd be surprised what your words what your words could have done to change and shape the way they viewed life or viewed certain circumstances that they might have been caught up in at the moment. So, how many mothers can say that they fit the definition of what it is to be a mother? How many of you would do anything and everything for your child's well-being? Well, we as mothers, we would die for our children, right? We see this even in the animal kingdom. Mothers will die for their kids. They will kill for their kids. You see mama bears, lioness, elephants, whales, you name it. You try to attack their babies, they're going after you. And humans are no different, or at least we shouldn't be. So today, I'm going to talk about two women in the Bible who as mothers did just that. They sacrificed their wants and needs for the wants and needs of their children in order to make them competent human beings. Today's title is, What Would You Do For Your Child? So let me set the stage. In this corner, we have Hannah, second wife of Elkaniah, who, being barren, prayed to the Lord for her son, and if blessed with that child, she would give him back to the Lord. Powerful, right? And in the next corner, we have Rebecca, chosen as the wife for Isaac, who was Abraham and Sarah's precious baby 
promised boy, the chosen one. She was the mother of twin boys who fought in her womb and to this day are still fighting while their descendants are still fighting. So we're going to look at the two of those. We're going to look at the two women and see what type of mothers they were. And you can see which, well, you might not fit either, but you might fit one of them or you might fit both of them. So we're going to start with Hannah. Hannah was a wife of a man who deeply loved her, even though she wasn't capable of bearing him any children. Elkaniah loved Hannah with all of his heart. Now, I said she was the second wife because he had two of them. So, Penina was his first wife. And every year, Elkanina would go up to the Lord of Armies. And this is the place where Eli, if you remember Eli from Joseph and them, Eli, the priest, lived with his sons. And every, they would make a trip there. They would make a trip there to give sacrifices every year. So Elkaniah, Hannah, Penina, and her children every year would make this trip to give sacrifices to the Lord. And if you remember in those days, if you had children, you were looked upon as being blessed by God. But if a woman wasn't able to bear children, society looked at her as being cursed by God. So in one respect, Elkaniah was looked at as he was being blessed because his first wife, Penina, gave him many children. But then Hannah, on the other side, gave him none. So this is where we pick up the story in 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 4. And whenever the time came for Elkaniah to make an offering, he would give portions to Penina, his wife, and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he would give a double portion, for he loved Hannah, although the Lord had closed her womb. And her rival also provoked her severely to make her miserable because the Lord had closed her womb. So it was, it was so year by year when she went up to the house of the Lord that she was provoked and therefore she wept and did not eat. Then Elkaniah, her, son's, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? Why do you not eat? And why is your heart grieved? Am I not better to you than ten sons? So Hannah arose after they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh. And Eli, the priest, was sitting on the, on the seat by the doorpost of the tabernacle of the Lord. And she was in bitterness of soul and prayed to the Lord and wept in anguish. Then she made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant and remember me and forget not and not forget your maid maidservant, but will give your maidservant a male child, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life and no razor shall come upon his head. And it happened as she continued praying before the Lord that Eli watched her mouth. Now Hannah spoke in her heart. Only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore, Eli thought she was drunk. So Eli said to her, how long will you be drunk? Put your wine away from you. 
But Hannah answered and said, No, my Lord, I am a woman of sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor intoxicating drink, but have poured out my soul before the Lord. Do not consider your maidservant a wicked woman, for out of the abundance of my complaint and grief I have spoken until now. Then Eli answered and said, Go in peace, and the Lord of Israel, and the God of Israel grant your petition, which you have asked of him. And she said, Let your maidservant find favor in your sight. So the woman went her way and ate, and her face was no longer sad. Blessed is the reading of the word of the Lord. So now let me say this. Before I go into what Hannah did for God, I just want to address the fact that when others don't understand your relationship with the Lord or what you're going through, your form of worship or your conversation with God can be mistaken for something else. Because Eli thought Hannah was drunk when she was praying to God. And she wasn't drunk. She was just so engrossed in praying to him that it appeared to Eli that she was drunk because he didn't hear anything coming out of her mouth, but he saw her lips moving. But just know that others are watching you when you're talking to God or giving reverence to God or even praying. And it's not always that they're going to understand what's going on with you. But nevertheless, do what you have to do to get your message heard by God. So now this was the prayer of a woman desperately wanting to be a mother. And the Lord remembered Hannah when she was with her husband and they, and she bore him a son. So Samuel, as Hannah named him, which means God has heard. And Hannah kept her vow to the Lord and gave Samuel to Eli. And the Lord blessed Hannah with more children. So Hannah is a mother because of the love she had for the Lord offered her son a personal sacrifice over to God. This was the child that Hannah wanted so desperately. And because God had answered her, she gave him back to the Lord. Now, how many of you mothers would be able to give your child to God as Hannah did? Or how many of you mothers have given your children back to God as Hannah did? And the way Hannah did it, what I'm saying that is, you have a child and you give him back to God, meaning everything that is about God, you will instill in that young person. That's giving him back to God. So Hannah fits the definition of a mother, according to Webster. She made the sacrifices for her child to ensure that he became a competent human being. And we see Samuel later on what he does for God. But you even, if this comes from the book of Samuel, then you know he actually went and did great things for God. So how many of you mothers have given your children back to God after you've prayed to get them? And in Hannah's, Hannah's reverence of God, she said a prayer after she had Samuel. And we pick it up in 1 Samuel chapter 2, verses 1 to 10. And Hannah prayed and said, My heart rejoices in the Lord. 
My horn is exalted in the Lord. I smile at my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. No one is holy like the Lord, for there is none besides you, nor is there any rock like our God. Talk no more so very proudly. Let no arrogance come from your mouth, for the Lord is the God of knowledge, and by him actions are weighed. The bows of the mighty men are broken, and those who stumble are girded with strength. Those who were full have hired themselves out for bread, and the hungry have ceased to hunger. Even the barren has borne seven, and she who has many children has become feeble. The Lord kills and makes alive. He brings down to the grave and brings up. The Lord makes poor and makes rich. He brings low and lifts high. He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the beggar from the ash heap to set them among princes princes, and make them inherit the throne of glory. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's, and he has set the world upon them. He will guard the feet of his saints. But the wicked shall be silent in darkness, for by strength no man shall prevail. The adversaries of the Lord shall be broken in pieces. From heaven he will thunder against them. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give strength to his king and exalt the horn of his anointed. Hannah wasn't playing when she said this prayer. Hannah was praying everything that she felt within her after God had blessed her with her son. Because Hannah was a woman of faith. She was actually the first woman that prayed in the Bible to the Lord to really ask him to give her something. And she knew that God would be faithful if she just trusted and believed that he who that he was who he is. So with that Hannah said this prayer to God, letting everyone know who God is, what he's capable of doing, what he will do, how he will do it. So don't be fooled. This whole prayer right here was saying, don't be fooled. The Lord kills and makes alive. He brings down to the grave and brings up. The Lord makes poor and makes rich. She was saying right here, don't think that because you're, you have more than what one individual has that you're any better because God can change things around just as quickly as you could say that prayer. Right? He lifts the beggar from the ash heap to set them among princes. So, She was just letting people know from what she had gone through and what she had believed God would do for her, what she did with her prayer, constantly believing that he was who he is and he could do, she received. 
So she let everybody else know. The wicked shall be silent in darkness. Like, don't don't underestimate what my God can do. Don't ever underestimate what God can do. Powerful, that was a powerful prayer that Hannah said after she had her son. Just letting everybody know. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. Like, just let me tell you, all of you who think that you're something, God God will judge everyone. And it was more so what really, I'm sure, really made her say this prayer the way she said it is Penina. Because Penina used to taunt her and make her miserable because she didn't have a child. But when she prayed and God gave her that child, I'm sure it shut the mouths of many, even those that looked at Elkaniah as not being blessed because of Hannah. She shut the the mouths of many. And I'm sure that's why when she said this, she was speaking to the whole town. Anyone that was thinking ill of her for not being able to give him a child, she was letting them know, this is the God that I serve. This is the God that I believe. And with that, it's time to take a music break. You've been listening to What Would Kay Say here on Radio Free Brooklyn, What Brooklyn Sounds Like.
myself, Lisa. For every time
would rather stay here right where I belong. That was Lexi with Abide. I love that song. At the top of the hour, we started off with Making Changes, of course, by Grace. And then we had another Lexi song, There Is More. And then we had I Want to Say Thank You by Lisa Page Brooks. So now it brings me to the part of the show that I call Op-Ed. And in op-ed, we're going to go to the next corner, right? Because let me just say, the world needs more Hannahs, right? One who is willing to give her child up to the Lord at all costs, right? Her only desire was to give her child a son, uh, a child a son. Good night. Her only desire was to give her husband a child so that people would look upon their union as being blessed. And too many young women today that are becoming mothers are not paying attention to who they're having these kids for. They should be trying to have children for men like Elkaniah, who loves them unconditionally for everything, not just about what they can get from them. And who loves you whether you give them a child or not or whether you sleep with them or not, or whether you would ever fill in that blank or not. Because even though I'm telling these stories about these two women, and it is Mother's Day, and yes, we're keeping on the thing of theme of mothers, this still has to do with women in general, just women in general. So now, we're going to take, we're going to take a stroll over to Rebecca. Now, the story of Rebecca, she was a mother that would stop at nothing to make sure that her favorite son got what she felt he deserved, even if it went against Jewish law to obtain it. 
because it was customary for the firstborn to receive the blessings from the father when the father became elderly before he passed away. But here we have a case of people trying to help God do his job. Rebecca was told by God that two boys in her womb were two nations and they would be at odds because they were at odds within her. God also told her that the younger one would rule over the older one. So we pick the story up in Genesis 25, starting at verse 22. But the children struggled together within her, and she said, now mind you, keep in mind, Rebecca had been barren for two decades after her and Isaac got married. Barren after two decades, and she finally got pregnant. Of course, Isaac prayed to God and asked him, please, let me have a child. So now Rebecca's pregnant, and this is what's going on here. But the children struggled together within her, and she said, if all is well, why am I like this? She went and inquired of the Lord. See, that's it. And I want you to keep in mind, she, she went and she inquired of the Lord, why am I feeling like this if, you know, everything is good with me and I have these two kids inside of me? And the Lord said to her, Two nations are in your womb. Two peoples shall be separated from your body. One people shall be stronger than the other. And the older shall serve the younger. So, just remember all that that God said. Remember what Rebecca did and remember what God said. I'm going to go through the story and I'm going to come back to that. So when Isaac was ready to place blessing on his first child, right? Rebecca devised this plan that would allow Jacob to obtain the blessing from Isaac because Rebecca loved Jacob. Isaac loved Esau. So she disguised, and Esau was born first. And Jacob came out after, but he was holding the ankle of his older brother. So now, Rebecca makes up this plan to disguise Jacob as though he was Esau, to fool Isaac because he was elderly and he couldn't see, okay? So the story, the Isaac told Esau, go make me a bowl of stew so that I can then bless you, pass on the blessing to you, because he knew he was getting old and when his, his days were numbered. So when Esau went to make this bowl of stew, Rebecca heard and she was like, "Mm -mm, I'm not going to let him give the blessing to Esau, even though it should be his because he was the firstborn. I want my favorite Jacob to get it. So she devises this plan. Let Jacob look like Isaac. Like let, let Jacob look like Esau. But they were Esau was very hairy and Jacob had smooth skin. So what she did is she made the stew the same way that the husband liked it. Because, of course, every wife knows what her husband likes. Right. So she makes the stew. She puts on the, the fur of the goats that she used on her son's body so that when the father went to rub him, he felt it. He felt like it was hairy, so he thought it was Esau. Because remember, Isaac is old, he can't see. But he knew the voices. Because when Jacob came to talk to him and said, when he said, is this, he says, I'm here, father, for my blessing. Isaac was like, wait, why do you sound like Jacob? And he's like, no, father, it's me, it's me. So they go through this whole scheme, right? Jacob gets the blessing. 
Jacob gets the blessing because they go through the whole scheme. She puts on the clothes of Esau. So when he goes and the father says, kiss me, he smells like his brother, even though the father can't see. He's like, oh, okay, yes. Even though the father still kept questioning, are you sure you're Esau? He kept questioning because you know your children. You know what your children sound like. But because he was old and even though his voice sound, his voice, he kept saying, you sound like Jacob. But because, the, ooh, sorry, because you hit, because he touched the skin and it was hairy and he smelt him, he thought it was Esau. So he gives the blessing to Jacob. But see, this is what I want to tell you. This is the part I'm getting to with Rebecca. Rebecca was a mother that would do anything for her kid, no matter how ruthless it was, right? And Rebecca was wrong on so many levels. Deception, elderly abuse, spousal abuse. Rebecca just went through the whole gamut of doing what she was doing, and she knew she was wrong, but she didn't care because she wanted her favorite to get it, right? But this is what happens when you meddle in the affairs of God and not allow him to do what was planned. Because going back to the beginning of the story, he told her that she had two nations in her womb and that they would be two separate people, and one of them would be stronger than the other, but the younger, the older one would be subservient to the younger one. So now, Jacob got the blessing, right? And according to what God said, yes, Jacob was going to get the blessing because the younger one was going to rule over the older one. And we see that in Jacob, meaning trickster, he had already devised a plan to take the blessing from his brother because when his brother had came back, from hunting one day and he was hungry and Jacob was cooking. He told him, Oh, let me, you know, get some of that food you made. And Jacob was like, "Mm, I'm only going to give it to you if you give me your birthright. So he was already devising what he was going to do because God had already knew what, what each of them would do as individuals. He already knew this. Rebecca could have just stayed back, let God handle what he was going to handle. But no, she stepped in because she figured she had to do what she had to do for her child. Esau was also her child. So with um, Esau giving Jacob the birthright because he wanted the stew, and everybody always wants to say, oh, you know, all he wanted was the stew, which true, he was hungry and he put fleshly pleasures over spiritual, you know, what spiritual order was. Yes, all well and good. There's a story in that and we'll look at that another time. But the story I want to look at here is Rebecca didn't have to meddle in what was going on with the two boys. because. God had already devised a plan where the younger was going to rule over the older one. But see, all she did is prolong what God had to do and actually make Jacob's life a little more, a little more disrupted because even though God was going to have Jacob be the father of, you know, the 12 tribes of Israel, that was already predestined for him when He was in the womb of Rebecca. But God had to deal with Jacob's character. And see, he had to deal with Jacob's character later on when Jacob was an adult and had went out because he had to then leave. He had to leave the family after Rebecca did that. So he was separated from his family and had to go live with some relatives of hers. Right? So God still had to 
fix Jacob's character before he could give him and make him into the person that he wanted him to be in order for him to have the 12 tribes of Israel. But if Rebecca would have just stayed out of it, God could have dealt with Jacob as he needed to deal with Jacob and get him ready for what he had for him to do. So Rebecca meddling, not that it stopped or changed anything because Esau, yes, was not going to be what he should have been being the firstborn. He was never going to be because God had already said the younger is going to rule over the older. So that was already put into motion. But see, Rebecca wanted to speed things up. And all it did was it made Jacob's life even, it gave more pressure to Jacob because he was constantly running from his older brother because of all this scheming and conniving and deception that went on. Whereas God could have just done what he was going to do, and it just could have been a transition as to, okay, Jacob is going to be over, Jacob is going to be over Esau. But we don't know that because Rebecca put her hand in it. So here it is, when we look at it, in conclusion, which mother are you? Is it the one that trusts God completely and whatever he says, you'll follow? You'll speak to him to have him fulfill the wishes that you want, the desires of your heart, because you trust him for who he is? Or are you the meddling mother who's going to create a situation before God has has any time to put his hands on in it, even though he's already orchestrated what was going to happen? So which one are you? Even not as a mother, as a person. Are you the type that's like, okay, God, I know you have plans in in line for me. Let me pray to you and find out. Let me talk to you, see what my next direction is. Or or are you like Rebecca that's like, hmm, this is what God said. I'm Okay, this is what God said. Let me run ahead and do it and I can make it better because I know what should be right and let me handle it before and then have to have God still come behind you and clean up stuff because things aren't in order the way he wanted them to be in order, even though, yes, it was going to come to pass like. So which one are you? And why I said, remember what Rebecca did, because in the beginning, when she was having problems with the pregnancy, she went to God and said, what's going on here? I'm finally pregnant. And now what's going on? I'm having all this rumbling in my belly. She went to God about that, but she never went to God to ask him, okay, so how is this going to play out with my younger son being over his older brother? She never asked him. She just figured, I'm going to do it. He said it was going to happen. So let me just push it along real quick. And also, this is a this is a, me- a message for parents too, just parents in general. They had twins. Isaac and Rebecca had twins, two boys. Isaac loved Esau, Rebecca loved Jacob. They already had dysfunction in their family playing favoritism. So here it is, you have all this favoritism being played up. The boys were already fighting in the womb. So don't you think after they came out and then there was favoritism shown among the parents, they were going to fight even more. Just something to think about. Let's not play favoritism when it comes to our kids. Number one. And I know a lot of parents do it. They say they don't, but they do. And don't meddle in God's business when he has things already in place. Even though we like to meddle, just as humans, we like to meddle because we like things to go our way. But sometimes going your way is not the way God wants it to be at that moment. It could still go your way, but it still has to go in his timing. 
and that ends up Ed. I want to say the word of the month, of course, temerity, which means excessive confidence or boldness, audacity. And once again, our story has fit the bill for the word of the month. And the promise of the week is coming from Proverbs 31:30. Charm is deceitful and beauty is passing, but a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. And with that, I say happy Mother's Day to everyone. Enjoy the rest of your week. Be blessed. Be productive. Follow your journey. Let God stay in control. If you have anything that you need to have clarified, bring it to him in prayer. Let's not just step out and go ahead of what he has already purposed for our life. Be blessed until God brings us together again next week. Peace. Call small, God calls important. It's in the details that He is found. What we call great, He deems insignificant. Mm, why do we magnify what He's not in? I will wrap my life in Jesus. Set aside what holds me.
Oh, 